Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning again. Good morning. Hey, I just want to uh, make a quick announcement uh, for this morning. There will be not a, it won't be a night service tonight, being that it's a, it's a Labor Day weekend, so we wanted you to be with your family tonight and hanging out. And I know you have tomorrow off too, but we just wanted to have time for you guys to have this community with your family. So um, we won't be there, but we'll start back up um, next week uh, on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. Uh, so just want to give you an FYI. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 12 to 26 this morning. I love team sports. For those that know me, I, I played sports growing up, and I played basketball, I played football, I played some college ball uh, in the day. It was many days ago, <laughs> but it was in the day and stuff. And if you know anything about sports team, they, they operate as, as one body, as one team. And you know that in, think about basketball specifically, basketball, you have five players that go onto court and they play as, as one team. And their purpose is really to take that little ball and put it in a little whole hoop to make points, more points than the other team. But if you know anything about basketball, there are five positions of those individuals on the court. And they are, they are, these positions are numbered, not by the numbers of their jerseys, but by the numbers of their position. So the number one position would be the point guard. He's the one that's kind of the leader of the team. He guides the team. The second man is the number two guard or the wing or the, the shooting guard. Position three and four is the, is the forwards. They're the bigger guys. You might even know them as power forwards for some of them, for those who watch basketball. Kevin Durant would be a power forward. Then you have the number five player, or the, the fifth player would be the big man or the center. And his, his job would be to protect the paint. Listen, each of these roles on the team have a part for the success of that team. Their presence is very, very important. In Kobe Bryant's book, the Mamba Mentality, if you haven't read it, it's a great book to read. He writes about Bill Russell, who won more championships than he had fingers. He actually won 11 championship rings, more than Jordan, okay? And Russell recounts how people said he wasn't a good ball handler. He just didn't know how to handle and shoot the ball. But Russell said this, he could do all those things, but why would he lead a fast break when you have Bob Cousy playing with him? Why would you do a jump shot when you have Sam Jones who was on your wing? The message was that if you want to win championships, you have to let people focus on what they do best while you focus on what you do best. For him, that was rebounding and running the floor and blocking shots. If a basketball team is unified, it doesn't mean that everyone plays the same position. Not everyone is the point guard. The team will work for one goal, and that's to win. The work in, they work in harmony for one purpose. Amen. Think of an orchestra. An orchestra is harmonious. It's not because they all are playing the same instrument. 
because they're playing the same song. If a choir is singing harmony, it's not because they're all singing the same part. It's because they're adding their part to the same song. The goal, it's goal that produces unity. Unity is not sameness. Unity has to do with the same purpose. And we have a purpose as the body of Christ, and that is to glorify our Father in heaven. And we do that by being one body, united. That is the big win for the church. We're continuing our study as we've been studying this series on unity. And this morning we're going to focus on the unity of the body. Though we are one in essence, we are diverse in appearance and gifting. And that is what the Apostle Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's focusing on the gifts of the Spirit, but also speak about the members' unity, emphasize the need to be one body in our diversity. And we're going to look at three things this morning. One, we are one body in Christ, number one. Number two, we, we are needed in the body. And number three, we are valuable in the body. These are three things we're going to look at this morning. So in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, starting at verse 12, I want to read it. It says this, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and all been made to drink in one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, am I not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If, if, the whole hearing were, would, if, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And we pray that as we talk about this one body this morning, this one body, we are one in you. We're praying that you would speak to our hearts this morning in the, in the light of unity. In light of the world that's chaotic and in a lot of in the world that's divided, Father, your church used to be united. It needs to be one. And so we thank you and we praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. First thing we want to look at this morning is that all members of the body are one in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. If you study chapter 12, the word one is mentioned 18 times. I think Paul is speaking about unity. In fact, in verses 12 to 26, the verses we're going to look at this morning it is mentioned 13 times the word body is used 18 times also from verses 12 to 27 the phrase one body is used in chapter 12 five times I think Paul the apostle is trying to get us to understand to get our attention about being one body in Christ 
So the first thing I'm going to look at is this, as we talk about being one body in Christ, is number one, that we have unity in our diversity. That we have unity in our diversity. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Right away, Paul, in his writing, he's dealing and giving us a picture. A picture illustration is what he's doing here. The body is one, just like this body here is one. It's one, Peter has this one body, but it has many, many parts. And each part operates in this body. So he's giving a word picture is what he's, he's trying to do here. He's trying to write in a way that people can visually see what he's doing here. One body as a, as a whole. But in this body, there's, there's diversity in this body. God's created us in a uniqueness, though we have hands and we have feet and we have arms and we have legs. Each of us have these members, yet they look different. They look different and, and they, they are different, right? This body has different colors and shades and eye colors and some have hair and some don't have hair, right? Even we're so, we're so unique in the fact that we even have, each of us have different fingerprints. We're so unique in that fact, yet we're still one body. So also with Christ is the picture. He's talking about not only using this illustration, but he's saying that's how it is with the body of Christ. It's, it's one, but it has many, many members, right? Many members in Christ. Only two buildings down is the Presbyterian church. It's a part of the body of Christ, right? We, we have Methodists and Nazarene and Church of Christ and Pentecostals and Baptists and Calvary Chapel and Lutherans and Catholics. But it's Christ that makes us one. It's in Christ that makes us one. We get so divided and, and diss one another, but in reality, God's called us to be one. But I also want you to see in this unity and diversity is that number two, it's colorful in our diversity. It's colorful in our diversity. Look at 13. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we all have been made to drink into one spirit. Right? We're baptized into one spirit. When John the Baptist came on the scene, he's the one that introduced Jesus to the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sins of the world. We know Jan, John the Baptist came baptizing, baptizing into repentance. But when it came time to baptize Jesus, he said this, this words out of Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He's talking about Jesus. Whose sandals, whose sapatos, I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. A couple of weeks ago, we did baptisms at the beach. Many of you were baptized, and we celebrated that. But the baptized, the, the pastors are the ones that baptized you in the water, right? They baptized you in some ways as a symbol of your obedience to salvation and your commitment. But he, he, now he's saying Jesus is going to come, and Jesus now is the baptizer of the spirits. Boom, he's going to baptize you in the spirit. The power of the Spirit. But now it's saying the pastors, but now the Holy Spirit is the baptizer, and he's going to baptize you into the body. And so we see this picture being played out here. We know that the word baptize, we studied it a few weeks ago, right? It means to be immersed or to dip or to dye a garment, right? 
When a, when a garment like tie-dye, I talked about tie-dye shirts, or garments want to be changed colors, they'll take the shirts and they'll put it in a dye and they immerse it into the dye and it comes out a different color. For tie-dyes, it's multiple colors. It takes on a different identity. It takes on a, a different color because it's been immersed by that dye. The spirit is like the, like the dye. We are missed, immersed in the spirit which changes our identity and brings out the brightness of his beauty in us. The color in us. And like the garment changed colors when it is dyed, he has changed our fabric and color of his church. This one new body. We talked about that last week that he changed us as a people and then he changed our identity as a body. He created this new humanity. He created this new race. He, he made us one as a, as a church. And so we drink or be immersed in the spirit of oneness for the fruit of the spirit should be manifested in the body of Christ. Look at the color, full diversity of the body. Just look around this room. We prayed in English and Spanish this morning. The beauty of diversity, right? He talks about Jews and Greeks and slave and free. At that moment, there was titles given to those individuals. If you look at those individuals as a whole, what? There's a diversity of ethnicity listed in there, and there's a diversity of economics and slave and free. There's a diversity of education of knowledge in Greek and, and Hebrew. There's all these diversities that you're seeing just in that one phrase, but yeah, we are one body. But the, bar, but the walls have been removed, and these titles have been removed. We're no longer slave, nor Greek, nor Jew, or anything. We are one body, yes. created in the image of God. We are one body in the faith. And we have a new family, and we have a new race, a new creation, a new identity. Though there's diversity, we're still one. We're one in Christ. Paul's writing this out. Because we're one in Christ, here's the second thing. All members of the body are needed. All members, we're all needed in this room. We're all valued in this room. So we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 14 through 19, we look at that, Right? We know that the human body is made up of systems. These, these systems include the nervous system and the circulatory system and the muscular system and the skeletal system and the immune system. These are all systems that are independent upon one another. And when one system goes down, the rest of the body is negatively impacted. The body needs each other. And when we work together, we are forced to be, we are forced to be reckoned with. Think of a snowflake. Snowflakes are frail. But if enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic. It's called snow. Right? What Paul is trying to get across here is this, that the body is not exclusive, it's inclusive. Look at verses 14 and 64. In fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, am I not of the body? And if therefore not of the body, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not the body? It is therefore not of the body. First of all, in verse 14, he's continually restating this fact, what? That we are one in Christ, right? Verse 14, he says that multiple times in the text. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. He keeps repeating this thought. He's ingraining this thought. Three times he's ingraining it. Three times you'll see that. You see that earlier in the chapter 12, you can see it here. You see it later at the end. Of the, he's going to keep repeating that because sometimes we have to continue to be reminded. That's why New Vision is just one church with many parts. But division, division can easily happen when parts of the body don't feel needed. 
when parts of the body don't feel needed. The foot and the ear are struggling with being needed here in the text. He's using that illustration, right? Maybe the hand and the eye act superior than the, the foot and the ear. Maybe they think they're, they're better than the foot and the ear. And when people don't feel needed, it's easy for them to disconnect from the body. And division can happen when people disconnect from the body. Listen, the body of Christ is not an exclusive club. It's not members-only club. It's a, cl- it's a club open to all, to whosoever believes the scripture says. Sometimes people need to belong before they will believe. Sometimes people need to belong before they believe. I play, believe New Vision is a place for everyone. You're welcome regardless of your past, even if you still struggle with faith issues, even if you still doubt, even if you don't even believe, you're still welcome here. Amen. You'll still be accepted here and you'll still be loved here. But here's the danger in all this. Diversity doesn't disqualify you from the body. It doesn't mean you can not be a part of the body, right? That's what I say. Am I not part of the body? This is the hard thing about what we've seen in our culture today, that people want to disconnect from the body, yet they call themselves believers. And when people claim to be believers but are not plugged into the local fellowship and say to the church, we don't need you, both believer and church lose out on a blessing, lose out on what God created us to be. A disconnected believer is like a disconnected light bulb. It might be in the socket, but there's no light because there's no power. It takes up space, provides no benefit to the kingdom as a whole. When one forsakes the gathering, as mentioned in Hebrew 10.25, I believe they're out of the will of God. Because God's created the body. He's created the family. He's created the church. And he's designed the church for that purpose of encouragement and blessings and strength. But we also see in verse 17 this. The body is not made up of one part. It's not made up of one part. Look at 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? What if the church looked like a nose? The whole church just looked like a nose. Big, hairy, and loud. Right? One big snozzle. Okay? It would be a one-dimensional church And all it could do was breathe, smell, and sneeze. It couldn't really contribute any more than the capacity for which it was created for. It couldn't hear from the Lord because what? It's a nose and not an ear. So if the whole body was a nose, we truly would be dysfunctional. We still have limitations. We couldn't function correctly because we're missing parts. So as God created us with multiple parts, the body needs multiple parts to function at full capacity. And so not only is diversity of the body acceptable, it is essential. Each member has something, but not everything. We have something, we're created for something. We don't have everything. And so with that, Paul's trying to lay out in verse 18, the fact that each member has a specific function. Each of you has a specific function in the body. Look at this. But, not God, but, now, but, now God has set a, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? God is the architect of the body. He's the designer of the body. 
fact, he says here the word set. God has set, means to appoint or to place according to your gifts. To place according to your gifts. Each of you have gifts and abilities and talents. And God's going to place you in the body based where your gifts are and your abilities are. And one's not better than the other. You're needed because God's designed you with that specific task that he's given you. I remember when, uh, I think I told this story before when, I know Pastor Mark's mentioned it here, when I was doing ministry with my wife early on in the days, and she's a phenomenal woman of God that works with children. She's a teacher by trade. She's an educator. She's ran children's ministry. She's done Awana. She's great, amazing with little kids. And I remember she was working with the children's ministry, and I said, oh, I'll help you do that. And so I went with her to go help her, and I'm helping her, and I'm trying to work with kids, and those little kids ran me ragged. <laughs> I was frustrated. I was, like, exhausted. I had to go home and take a nap. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, 25 years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up with them because I realized that my gifting wasn't for little kids. That my gifting was for high school kids and street kids and, and, and dealing with the, the Danny Bowles of the world. <laughs> and so I, I got energized by working there, but I got drained by working with the children because I was working outside of my giftings and talents and abilities. Because maybe you're being drained in your ministry is because maybe you're not being placed in the right ministry. Maybe you're not using the gifts. Because when you serve in your gifting and your talents, you should be energized. This should bring great joy when you're operating in the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you. And so that's key to understand how God is working here. So God, what is it? He has said, he has appointed, he has placed according to your gifts. God is the manager and overseer of the body. He has positioned the members of his body for the greatest victory. He says here, as he, see, as he see fits or as it pleased, as he is pleased. I'm going to put you in this position because I know the church will have the greatest victory if I place you here. You might say, oh man, I don't want to be there. I want to be over there. No, I got you here because we need victory, right? If you have been designed to be an ear, don't jockey to be an eye. You're an ear, right? It's, I can walk on my hands, but it's better to walk on my feet. Right? That's his purpose. Hands are not meant to be walked on. We can stand on our hands and walk on them, but that's not for the greatest victory and comfort and ability. Our feet were created to walk, to stand up. And so be careful of the positions you're jockeying for in the church or the places, but ask God, God, where has you positioned me? Where have you gifted me? Where is my talents? Where is my abilities? So I can make the body one. So we can have the victory. We can put the, the W in the column. Amen. So the diversity of positions make the function of the body more effective. Because God has placed each position perfectly at the right place. And you need to cooperate with God in his gifting. Amen. You need to work with God in his gifting. Because every part of the body was like you. If every part of the body was like you and me we would cease to be a body. And so we have to understand you're needed. To be one, we're needed. 
in the body, to be placed where God has placed us and positioned us. But here's the last thing this morning. All members of the body are valuable. All members of the body are valuable. We see that in verses 20 to 26. Many were a member January 28, 1986. Many watched on television when the, when the space shuttle challenge exploded with just 73 seconds into the flight, killing seven crew members, and the, and the nation was rocked by grief. After further investigation, the loss was blamed on one inexpensive O-ring. Records show that the space shuttle was comprised of one million components, and it took just one part to destroy the whole. One million parts did their job, but one failed, and disaster occurred. The body of Christ is composed of millions of parts, and we're all created for good works. So every part of the body is valuable. See, God didn't put a, a hand on your wrist so it could look good and just dangle there, right? He didn't, put a, he didn't put a foot on your ankle so you could have something dangling there. Every part of you was prescribed to accomplish a function, and every part of the body is visible or invisible has a function. If, if my hand is not doing what it's created to do, it's time for me to go see a doctor because it needs some medical attention, okay? And sometimes this, the church can get sick because the bodies are hurt. There's dysfunction. There's going on because we're not using the limbs and the members as it's created to be. See, the body, here it is, number 20, 20, the body is not made for elitism. It's not made for elitism. Look at verse 20, 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Again, here's Paul repeating in verse 20. There are many members, yet one body. He's repeating it again, ingraining in us. But what he's saying here is, is this. It seems that the visible part of the body seems to be more honored than the invisible. It seems like the visible part seems to have more influence and power than the invisible parts. Come on, come on. And so one feels superior than the other is what Paul, he said, be careful of this. Because the elitism, superiority, will divide the body. Belittling people will harm the body. Pride and superiority can penetrate the office of service, even to the highest position in the church. Ego can get in the way of humility, of service. So we can't say we don't need you. This body, New Vision family, cannot operate without you. And cancel can't get off the ground without the members of this family, without the bodies of this family serving to touch and help more people. Sometimes the eye can be blinded by the value of the hand. And sometimes the, the head can be too smart for itself and neglect the importance of the feet. But every part of the body is visible and invisible, contributing to the body, seen or unseen. Jesus was a great example of he could have, we're called to worship. We worship Jesus. We, we call him, right? He, and God the Father sent Jesus down in a bodily flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
But what was his mission in his coming? He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. He came as a humble servant. Come on, come on. He, he left the throne room of grace to come down to earth and took on flesh to be with us, a fallen world, to serve us. And then he met with disciples in an upper room and washed their feet. The God who created all things, the one who was part of the creation, washed the creation's feet in humility. The one who was willing to give up his own reputation for us, who became unrighteous, that we could become righteous and rich in him. He gave all that up for us because he was showing the humility of his service, of his mission as related to the call of his father sending him. Think of the 12 disciples. I see them as a representation of the body of Christ. They had all different theologies and backgrounds, right? Beliefs and gifts. In fact, if you look at study of the disciples, you, you hear more about others, some, than you do of others. You, you, you hear of Peter, James, and John, who are probably the, the figures that we read and hear more about than we do of Thaddeus or Simon the Dagger Man. You hear about the frailties, the failures of Thomas, but you maybe see a lot about Nathaniel. But they all were part of Jesus' crew and posse representing the body, and they all had a purpose, and they served God for his mission. But what I want you to see here this morning is that the invisible parts of the body are valuable. That's what Paul is bringing up here in the next verses. You've seen the, the, the visible ones here, like that usually gets all the attention, but the invisible we don't hear much about. Come on, come on. So 22, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. Our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which it lacks. Those that are closed, you can't see my heart, you can't see what's inside, needs greater honor. But you see my face, you see these things that you can't see. Warren Wisby, the famous pastor and theologian, said this, diversity does not mean inferiority. Diversity in the body is the evidence of the wisdom of God. <laughs> The weaker are necessary. We see that in verse 22. Those members who are not visible are necessary. See, without the hidden parts working, the external part cannot function adequately. Right? Think of the body. Without the heart and the lungs working, we could not exist. Sometimes we equate visibility with value. <laughs> visibility with value. Think about Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. We have a list of a lot of names, those that were visible. A lot of the Old Testament leaders and the New Testament leaders are mentioned. But there's also many that are not mentioned by name who are the martyrs. That we know because of the actions taken against them, but don't necessarily know their names. We see the visible and the invisible in the hall of faith. Both are, are present in, in Hebrews 11. The invisibles here are those that we may not even see that doing everyday work. The, the, the administrators and the organizers, the errand people who make sure all the supplies are ready for events, buying the communion cups, taking the calls, 
dealing with the bills. They are, there are those are concerned, those are committed in the Awanas and the children, the youth ministry. Missing the fellowship now, but many are serving our children's ministry right now that you might even not know their names. Yet they are the heartbeat of God. And the less honorable are important in 23 and 24, right? Those who do the, I call it the, the grunt, grunt work in the ministry, right? They do the work in the body that nobody wants to do, right? They're like the hidden big toe that keeps us on our feet. For without our toe, we would have no balance. They're like the armpits of the body that keep us cool. They are the ones who do the cleanup after the festivals. They are the ones who stay late to make sure everything is put away after the, an event and lock it up. They are the ones to be given greater honor, the scripture says. God will bestow greater honor on these sainted members. I'll think, I believe this, I think I'll be in the back row of heaven because of these saints. Because Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. But as we close this morning, we talk about being valued. One part of the body hurts, we all hurt. One part of the body hurts, we all hurt. That there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Again, He's stating the fact the third time, right? He's, he's mentioning about there not being divisions and no schisms, but there were one body, that there should be no division in the body, no schisms in the body. The word schism there translates to rent, to rent or to tear a garment. It means division or dissension. We, are, we as a church are to be one. We're not to rip the fabric of our unity by our differences, I think today this has been the work of the enemy this past year and a half. And he will do anything, he will use anything to bring division in his body, in his church, in his family. What are the schisms we're seeing right now? Schisms that have affected the church. The racism and the politics and the pandemic that's trying to divide the church. Let me tell you something. I'm going to talk about something that I haven't talked about and a lot of people have asked me. I'm going to talk about the vaccine in a minute. Sometimes we'd rather be right than care for one another. Sometimes we'd rather be right than care for one another. I'm willing to put away the rights, my rights, away for the sake of the gospel. I want to share my thoughts with you regarding the vaccine because people ask me a lot about what I think what we should do, because it's been a schism, it's been a division in the church, and I haven't shared much about this publicly. But first of all, here's our stance as a church, because I want to share this with you. We respect your decision, whatever it is, is what your view of the vaccine is. If you're for vaccine, we respect that. If you're anti-vax, we respect that, because you're responsible for your own commitment and welfare of your body. Is your body created in the image of God. And so I'm going to respect that. I'm not going to be prejudiced against it. I'm not going to come against it. I'm not going to speak evil against it. I'm not going to, that is your decision. See, that's what makes America great in a sense is that we have freedoms to choose about what we want. Come on. 
I think the problem is some of those freedoms are starting to get taken away from us, from us to choose. We have to be careful of that. But you have a right to choose what you want to do with your body in the sense is this vaccine specifically. And so we respect that as a church. We're not going to divide over that. The vaccine is not a salvation issue for me. It's not. But I struggle when people judge and point fingers at others when they disagree with it, with each other. Here's my process, guys, of what I've done. When, when the pandemic hit, we didn't know what was going on. We shut up and went online because we didn't know how serious it was. We didn't know, just, just like everybody else. We stayed closed for a couple of months and there was no vaccine. People were getting serious, sick, and things were happening. Many in our body here have been affected by the COVID virus and have been affected and been in hospitals, been sick. My wife caught it. After that, we opened up again. And I, the reason I opened up and stayed open because a lot of people challenged me on that was this. When we were closed down, we had people in the neighborhood knocking on the door saying, are you open? They were knocking on, hey, are you doing church from the neighborhood? When I saw that, I said, I won't close my door again. Because now it's about, now it's about the gospel. It's not about, the, it's not about the, 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 the pandemic. It's about the gospel for me. I want to make this clear. It's about the gospel. Everything's about the gospel. Okay? As time has progressed, we know that the vaccine came out and all these different things, and there was a lot of concern about the vaccine. I had concerns. I wasn't rushing to go get the vaccine. I wasn't rushing the door. I was waiting. But I had to begin to pray and ask the Lord, why? What's going on in me, Lord? What is it you want to speak to me? Julie's dad um, wanted us to come to Arizona. And he was very sick. He was celebrating his 80th birthday. He was in the hospital. He had, he had some lung problems, blood clots. We didn't know if he was a maker. We didn't know his health. And my wife has prayed for her dad and, and stepmom for years about salvation, about faith issues. And they invite us to come. And, I, and he was like, look it, I'm not doing well. Can you bring the grandkids out? Can you guys come out? We'll fly you all out. But if you come, you got to be vaccinated. We, I, we haven't been vaccinated. And then I went before the Lord and said, Lord, what is it that you want me to do here? And Lord, I, have, I'm, I run everything I do and decisions I do through the scriptures. I, I don't care the sway of convictions of people. God, what is it your word that speaks to me about these issues? I go to his word. And the Lord was showing me some things. You remember, there's two men in the Bible called Timothy and Titus. They're two young people. Paul trained them in the work of ministry. We have books named after them, Timothy and Titus. One he had circumcised and one he didn't have circumcised. But they didn't have to be circumcised to be saved. But one he did because one was going to go to the Gentile and minister the gospel. And one was going to go to the, the Jews and minister the gospel. So those that were going to the Jews, it was good that they were circumcised so they could preach the gospel to those who were Jews. And the ones that were going to Gentiles didn't go to, need to be circumcised, went to the Gentiles. I equated that to vaccinism and not vaccinated. I'm saying, Lord, is, it, is me being vaccinated helping me get the gospel to somebody that I need to get the gospel to? Then I'm going to take the vaccine. It wasn't because whether it's that, you hold, hold your thought there. So we ended, I ended up getting vaccinated. I got my vaccination. And then I went, and me and my wife went and talked to my father-in-law and mother-in-law, and they both made a commitment to Christ and followed Jesus. When I go overseas, I have to get vaccinated to go preach the gospel. Come on, come on. Now, let, let me make this point specific. Pastor Pete, there's, 
there's a lot of things saying on this and that, and people are getting sick and people are dying and people are all that. Let me tell you, a lot of people are running to the vaccine because they're trying to save their lives, right? But I don't want to die. But let me change your paradigm of your thinking a little bit. Who holds the number of your days? God knows the number of your days. Not those giving the vaccine. God does. Guys, my wife got COVID. I sleep in the same bed with her and I didn't get COVID. I was going house to house sharing with people the gospel who had COVID and praying over them and ministering to them. Didn't get COVID. Not because I'm anything special. But if we keep the gospel the center, my life is not my own. It's God's. If my life, if I die because I die of COVID and God says the number of my days are done, then they're done and I go home. Better to live as Christ than die as gain. I, what I'm, the point I'm trying, I'm not trying to disqualify the fact that this is not a serious problem. But I want you to understand this. If your minds are fixed on heaven and not on earth, sometimes we're more concerned about saving our lives than preaching the gospel and getting out there and laying down our lives. Then we'll live in fear the rest of our life. Paul the Apostle wrote in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians this, verse 19, for though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win a Jew. And to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, and I became all things to all men, that I might be to save some. My life is not my own. It's God's. God, if you want to send me, I will go. If I have to put myself where there's cancer, or there's HIV or whatever it is, if for the sake of the gospel, I will go. That's what I'm trying to teach you here tonight. We have to be careful that we do not become divided over these things. Love one another. Because what does he say in the passage here? Very important. You catch this in the verse, right? That there be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care, same care for one another. Amen. That we care for one another. Love one another. Bear one another burdens. Be kind to one another. Tend to heart of forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ has forgiven you, comfort one another. There's a lot of one another's in the scriptures. I find it very interesting. Chapter 12 closes with a list of all the positions in the scriptures. The apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. There's your, there's your team. He's designed. But he says this. I find it very, he closes with this. I want to show you a more excellent way. Read the very end of the chapter. Amen. I want to show you a more excellent way. And he turns to chapter 13 and talks about love. Here's the schisms, the battles, and the visions we bring in the church. But let me tell you about a more excellent way on how to love. That's where Paul's going. Because there was a lot of division going on in the, in the church of Corinth. When our family suffers, we all suffer. When our family has victory, we all have victory. When one part of the body hurts, we all hurt, right? You hurt your arm, you hurt your foot, your body compensates for the injury. We feel it. The body feels the injury. And when we're hurting, we all feel the injury. 
But when there's victory, when there's victory in marriages, when there's victory in education, when there's victory with our children, we all celebrate and we throw parties together. We all celebrate. We mourn when we need to mourn together and we rejoice when we rejoice together. That's what families do. That's how they come together. One loss is our loss and one victory is our victory. So I want to remind you to talk about unity as one body. All members of the body are one in Christ. In Christ. All members of the body are needed and all members of the body are valuable. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this day and for your love and blessings and for your goodness, Lord. And I just pray for your saints this morning, Lord. Father, I pray that the enemy would not have a foothold on your family. Lord, I pray that the enemy would not come in and divide us by the different things the world wants to divide us on. But that, Father, the focus is Jesus. The focus is the gospel. That, Father, we are your bond servants. We are your bond slaves. You are our master. We submit ourselves to you for the sake of your gospel. And Lord, if it costs me my life, if it costs us our lives, Lord, then it costs us our lives for the sake of the gospel. The prophet Isaiah saw the presence of God in the throne of God. And God was calling somebody to come and go. And Isaiah said, Lord, send me, but I'm a man of unclean lips. And from the altar of God, he touched his lips and he was sent. Father, we're not, we're your, we're, we're your people that are wounded and broken from the floor up, Lord. But we want to be available to you as one family, as one body, with one message. That Jesus died, buried, Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.ca. See you next time.